When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the PHLY Sixers podcast alongside Kyle Newbeck, Derek Biden. I'm Devon Givens with you as we discuss the Philadelphia 76ers after a five-point win on the road against the Washington Wizards. The Mighty Wizards. The Mighty Wizards. (laughs) Defense optional as they give up 125 points and 64, I believe it was, we said last night during our postgame in the paint they need to clean this up, and we're going to dive into it a little bit more. We got the stock report a little bit later. It's my first stock hey, report, folks. I got the bond in a goofy hat. Let's so go. I, I guess I get the goofy. I actually, I'm not opposed to the goofy hat. We like to have fun, so you know we, we can do that. I'm, I'm I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Tons of other things that we'll discuss, but we definitely have to get into the defense because it has not been very good. It's almost like me right now with my Achilles. They, they're doing just as bad as I would do out there since I can't move and uh, it would be a problem. We're hunting Devon on all switches exactly. right now. Exactly. You know, I got to say, when you started that, I thought you meant like, like you weren't doing well as like a podcaster and a show host. I'm like, no, 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 Devon, you are doing fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. Fantastic. Now, thank you. Now, if we were to pull our little mini court out here and we had to do some slide drills, they would go right by me. So that that's pretty much what we've seen. I don't seen. know, man. You haven't seen me try to run much recently. I used to be a runner, not well, so much Well, I haven't gotten to that stage yet in my recovery. But, hey, I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll do that. But, look, uh, defense optional. Again, 131-125 victory for 126 victory last night for the Sixers. A five-point Close enough. Win. <laughs> and, 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 look, the defense just simply was not good. And, uh Kyle, uh, you looked at some of the numbers. Derek, you also took a peek at some of the numbers, and we discussed it in a big way last night, despite Embiid's 50, which was part of why he needed that 50, because the defense was optional. Things have not been good for quite some time now. Yeah, so we were going over things in our pre-show meeting, saying, look, I, I know last night you want to, you hope that it's an aberration, but at a, it's been now about a month straight of either poor, disinterested, defense or miscommunications shorthanded games sure there have been a few where they've been missing guys and that certainly plays a part but dating back to we used the indiana pacers game the first game but they did play a a set against them the first since the first game against indiana on november 12th here's where the sixers rank in some some key defensive categories they are 25th in defense and to give you some perspective the pistons who are on what a 17 18 yeah, game losing streak right. are 26th 
that that's not good. You, you want to be wanna, in that company. You don't want to have the Pistons as no. company. A key difference is the the Pistons also suck on offense. Yeah, they just suck <laughs> all around. So that's that's kind of the problem there. Twenty fifth in defensive efficiency overall. They are bottom ten in opponent turnover percentage, and I think that's a really important thing to key on for this team because Nick Nurse wants them to play aggressive turnover creation defense, right? Like that's been his MO for quite a long time. They frankly have the guys to do that, right? DeAnthony Melton, guy like Kelly Oubre, who hasn't been available, but someone who's a a ball hawk in passing lanes, potentially. Uh, Another key one, 21st in opponent points off a turnover. So that says two things. They're not protecting the ball as much as they should, although that's probably the stronger part of it but they are not playing any transition defense. It's yeah. been That's been bad for quite a long time. Uh, opponents are getting to the free throw line a little bit more. They're 17th in opponent free throw rate. That's not quite as bad. But Derek and I discussed this briefly before the show. I think the real concern for me, they're basically dead average during that time period at opponent three-point percentage. So this has not been driven by hey, teams are just unsustainably hot against them. It's been a hot stretch for other teams, and that's why they're sitting here at 25th. So this feels like it could be sustainable in a bad way. I will say one thing about that. Opponents are shooting 50% on long twos over that stretch. That is unsustainable. Yes. That's up by about 10%. That, if you're picking apart their um, you know, shot chart, that is the one aspect you say, all right, that's going to regress. But to your point, the opponents are shooting about dead, dead average in terms of threes. That is... Uh, that's bad. It means it could get worse. Now, why? And, and I will say, like, I think a lot of people look at it and go, all right, well, Embiid's missed some time, yada, yada, yada. Well, they've been bad with Embiid on the floor as well. Uh, they yeah. are giving up. Uh, I just had it and I lost it. You find it. It's they not just a, Marcus Morris, so folks. Here, here, I got, oh, I got, we're going to get to Marcus <laughs> Morris, believe you me. So before November 12th, which is the first game against the, uh, against the Pacers, with Embiid on the floor, they had a 107.2 defensive rating. Since then, with Embiid on the floor, again, it's just a minute set, Embiid is on the floor, they have a 119.6 defensive rating. And mm. one stat that stood out when I looked that up, nearly 40% of opponents' field goal attempts were coming from beyond the three-point line. So the, the, the thing that goes up and down is whether teams are making it. The things that you can control mostly are whether teams are taking those threes. The fact that the opponents are taking so many threes means that it's been pretty shitty defense, even with Embiid on the floor. And when we watch it, you, they look open. And we talk about, all right, how come Ty- Tyrese Maxey didn't take that shot? How come Tobias Harris didn't pull the trigger on the three-point shot that we thought the attempt that he had right there? These guys don't seem to be hesitating much, or even when the flyby comes out to close out, they do the slide step over to get a better opportunity. And look, they seem like, while contested, and the Sixers do close out pretty well overall, they're not... It's not as if they're really running them off the line where they get they get a good look generally throughout the game. And sometimes we look at the box score, there'll be like a plus 10 in shot attempts uh, attempts from the three-point line uh, from where the Sixers were. So that is something that has to be cleaned up. And we're 20 games in, and, and I ask you because listening to you guys and watching you guys when the deal went down with James Harden moving on and bringing in the versatile pieces that the Sixers have acquired – we talked about I heard you guys talking about it and I would talk to you guys from home just from looking at the screen and discussing it as if I was with you it was more of okay now they have a lot of versatility and that's it's still the case they still have a lot of versatility and they have a lot of bodies to throw out there defensively on the wing position from Covington to Batum and you add in a few others with Kelly Oubre 
De'Anthony Melton, albeit a guard, a very good defensive uh, wing uh, perimeter player. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that the problem right now when it does seemingly appear that they have much better personnel to defend the three-point line, to help out Joel Embiid on the back end, just more of rotations? Because what we saw in the Washington game last night, there was a lot of miscommunication. There was a lot of, are, are you supposed to get there? Was I supposed to get there? I'm not moving quick enough, not understanding what the defensive assignment was. Whatever it might be, why is that the problem right now when you seemingly have the personnel to defend? And to that point, Devon, we did not see that the first 10-ish games no. of the season, right? Like, they came out of training camp, even with Harden, MIA, without Batum being here, without Cove being here. Two guys that I think are some of the better wing defensive options that they have on the team. They're playing connected. They're playing hard. They're closing out hard. They're rotating hard. They're Xing out. They're, you know... Guys were fulfilling the low man assignment if somebody gets beat. Like, they're doing all the, the things that you need to do to play good defense. And so much of that has gotten lost. And to your point, there are possessions where guys are just looking around and, like, throwing their hands up. Like, hey, why weren't you there? Why weren't you doing this? And it does make me think about how much of this do we think is it's just hard to play the way Nick Nurse wants them to play over the course of 82 games because their top guys – you know, Maxie's not one of their defensive pieces, but Maxie's playing 38 minutes a game, shouldering a big offensive load, doesn't have a lot to offer on the defensive end on his best day. And now he has to, you know, do that while he's carrying the biggest offensive load he's ever had. Joel, while he's not carrying the same offensive burden he always has, still a very important piece on both ends of the floor. You're asking him to scramble and run probably more than he has in the past. And to me, one of the things that jumps out is that, their point of attack defense and their ability to contain guys on the perimeter yep. has just not been good enough. You know, the Cleveland game a few weeks ago is the probably the best example of that, where I was critical of Joel for some spurts of that game, like didn't play his best defensive game. He also was just put in a horrible position for, I would say, 60 to 70% of that game, where Darius Garland is beating that first line of defense and Joel is put in a spot where either he steps up and it's an easy lob to Jared Allen behind him, or he sits back, protects the rim, and Darius Garland, good player, has you know an eight-foot shot that he's going to make. And there's been too many of those type of possessions over the last month. They rank 23rd out of 30 in teams in terms of defending ball handlers off the pick and roll. Uh, not good. In terms of efficiency, it's not good. That's one thing where Tyrese struggles mightily. That's one thing where Melton, an overall good defender, struggles you just don't have a real stopper in that regard outside of Jaden Springer and the coach has elected not to play Jaden Springer he's really the only one on team that fights through screens on the perimeter well that is an organizational weakness across the entire roster and, and, we and it does it, it puts Embiid in a bad spot especially when Embiid right now his effort is up and down just put it charitably on defense it's not playoff Embiid for sure yeah and when he's not putting out those fires those fires just continue to rage on that's one area where they struggle mightily. They have for years. They continue to do so, um, and I don't see a quick, easy solution. And then a lot of times when you look at perimeter players and you know you have somebody elite on the back end to clean up your mess, you do give a little less percentage. Give the red carpet to the guy exactly. a little bit. Exactly. He'll, he'll clean it up. But I, thought, what, I thought you were showing me the stuff before. <laughs> no, 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 right? no, no, we're not okay, there yet. Yeah, no. but, but you know, one thing about that that's a problem is the opposing – uh, offense, they are doing a much better job of putting Embiid in those actions to get him to have to make a decision whether he has to hedge out or simply like we saw last night where Washington had 
Bilal Koulibaly out there on the perimeter, pulling Joel Embiid away from the basket, forcing him to make a decision. And they were just simple back cuts right to the basket for some easy finishes, dunks, layups, even when it was slide over and pick up a man to kick out to the three-point line for a much better uh, shot. That's where it was for them last night. You, they cannot rely on Joel Embiid to clean up all of their mess. And he is really the only line of defense on the back end whether it's Paul Reed, as much as we've given him credit, that's not his thing. He's more of a good positional slide, you know, understanding the principles of the, what the defense is. It's not really rim protecting. And Mo Bamba, that's not his game because he's not playing. And we've talked about some of the others when they do go small ball five. They're not going to do that either. So they have to figure out how they're going to clean up some of this 20 games in. So still plenty of time to figure it out. But they cannot just simply rely on him to clean up the mess with the Matador defense and just uh, opening up the red carpet and go ahead, go ahead, part, part the Red Sea and allow him, the, t the players, to get to the basket to finish because that's not going to be good as we look and evaluate overall for the season. Once we do know what we all are watching for is the postseason, they will get knocked out again early. Yeah. We, do, we do have a super chat that I want to bring up because we've been ignoring it for a little bit from Ash. Not really a question so much as a comment from him. They are, he says they are helping for no reason, being caught in no man's land. We sort of talked about that a little bit there. Uh, with drivers, and it's insane. Uh, these are some basic fundamentals that we all know as basketball players. I don't disagree. Like, there is certainly a lot. I think Tobias is the king of this, of meandering yes. help with no real... He's not really helping on the drive, and he's certainly getting himself out of position off ball. Uh, but that's that's a problem throughout the roster. Yeah, and look, uh, one of the things that you saw early in the season is Nick wants them stunting more on opponent drives. Like, they do want to help probably a little bit more than in they did last season. That, you need somebody who's making quick decisions and covers ground yes, quickly. Yes, yeah. there's there's also the the downside of that where when you put somebody like Tobias in that spot, a lot of times he's going to put himself in a bad position. And I would say this too. I think one thing I think they're missing is versatile defensive players, right? Like they have guys who I think in the right matchups, in the right spots, can guard their man, guard the yard, all that. But DeAnthony Melton, for example, good defensive player, probably overrated as an on-ball guy. But if he doesn't hold up against his guy, you can't ask, you know, Nick Batum or Tobias Harris to then go and take that matchup. He's Tobias and Batum on their best days are still probably not equipped to guard a, a one or a two, like a guard-sized speed player the, the that's just not of Cleveland yes I mean Tobias has had some success specifically against Cleveland in the past had a really nice game against Darius Garland I want to say it was either last season maybe the year before that he had a whole half where he shut him down but I would say that's that's an outlier for him right he's better equipped to handle threes and mostly fours you apply that to the bench Robert Covington at this stage is more of a pure four than anything else yep. and he's got off ball utility off ball versatility he is not a lockdown one-on-one -on -one defender and so when there's a fire that needs to be put out i don't think they're equipped with the sort of defenders who can do that it's not i know og ananobi's name came up in the chat they don't have someone like that that hey this matchup's going poorly just throw og at the problem and it's mostly sob they don't have guys like that right now yeah so we'll talk about when we come back is some of the players that we feel maybe for the current roster, 
may be able to help out just a little bit there for the time being until maybe again, as I say, maybe one more time, maybe add somebody a little bit later on. And I would imagine after a 50-point performance in a basketball game, you need some refuel there. And while you may not go with some just basic water or some sports drink, you might feel like you want to go into some uh, chocolate milk. Yes, chocolate milk. We have a new sponsor, Pennsylvania Dairy Farmers and Team Chocolate Milk, professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for quite some time. Chocolate milk provides high quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration, and calcium for strong bones. That's why studies consistently show that chocolate milk is an ideal sports recovery beverage. Whether you're recovering after workout at the gym, a run around Boathouse Row, or a bike ride on the Schuylkill Trail, or maybe again, dropping a big number in a professional basketball game. Chocolate milk is an idea, oh, no. ideal post-workout beverage. Taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine. Give your body what it needs to properly recover. What could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania that also tastes great? Well, learn more about how chocolate milk can help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. We also want to tell you about Wheelhouse Cards. Wheelhouse is our go-to card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of our favorite card brands like Topps, Chrome, Baseball, and Mosaic Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, hoodies from brands like Mitchell and Ness, Ness, Mitchell and Ness, 47 brand junk food starter and Scheib vintage sports. If you're looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. Open seven days per week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in store. Also be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. Have either of you ever scored 50 points in a basketball game? No. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe yeah. like 25, but definitely not 50. 25? No, nowhere maybe. close to Yeah, and that was like one of those, I can't feel my face, I'm losing my mind type yeah. games. So yeah. to get to that number, let alone 50, felt like a uh, quite an achievement. And I mean, to be honest, the last couple of decades, I've mostly been just playing pickup. You don't play to 50, first yeah, of all. Right. And second of all, the league I play, and we don't play with threes and twos um, because that is just too much of a differential. Uh, we play ones, strict ones, not certainly not ones and twos, because that's just when you double the percentage, you just get people. That's such a three. hot debate, by the way. That's it's court to court and person to person. Everyone has a different. Uh, if you're going to do it, you have that. to play threes and twos. You can't play ones and twos. There's just we, it's we way play too ones valuable. and twos. That's way that three point oh, shot is way too valuable. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, but that is value. That's it, the two it, point is, is valuable. It, yeah. It's not. The it's not points. double the value though. And honestly, it leads to some bad shots because then you have people who can't shoot wanting that extra point and. It just throws people off. Nope. Yeah. I'm not much twos. of a shooter. I still hang out on that two-point line in a pickup <laughs> yeah. game. Like I I know I know the math at the very least. Yeah, I, I wish I would have scored 50 <laughs> at some point. But when you play no ones and twos, you can score all you can score 10, maybe. Sure. Yeah, sure. You know, just run the table there. I think mine was about 30. I think I had 30 was my high. A couple 20, high 20s and okay. stuff like that. But okay. never 50. Man. I don't know. I don't know what that feels like, but Unless it's a video game. Yeah. 
There's Plenty that. of video game 50s. There you go. You. <laughs> there you go. I wonder if any of these guys we're about to talk about maybe can drive a 50. I, I don't think so. But uh, what role players when we look at talking about the defense and helping out and making sure that they improve their defensive numbers as we start to get into the second quarter of the season here for the basketball team and start to pick up these wins that we talked about earlier in the week. Jane Springer did not get any minutes last night. Nope. Four minutes for Robert Covington in the end of the first, going into the second. We didn't see him again. I, I didn't know what that was about. And then Kelly Oubre getting back, of course, finishing in double figures, 10 in the fourth quarter. Defensively showed some stuff, but just coming back from that rib injury, Will we see some improvement? Could we see some improvement? Should we see more Jaden Spring? I know you guys are big on on having him out there on the floor, Derek. Well, so can we just start off by not playing Marcus Morris? We might need to have an intervention with you on Marcus Morris. <laughs> so I'm going to hit you with some numbers I, here. I think you saw last night that he's going to be in the rotation. Uh, well, <laughs> then we're going to be talking about defense a lot. We are going to have to be questioning Nick on that decision every night. So I'll pull up some numbers. Okay. So very brief. All right, these run are, these because I don't know these numbers, right? Right. All right. Cool. And by the way. As always, when you're using lineup numbers, it's important to say it's never just one guy. This is just when Marcus Morris is on the floor. So Marcus Morris is playing with four other guys who have their own bit of responsibility. All right. Over the same time period we're talking about, since November 11th, there are three players with a negative net rating for the Sixers in that time period. Patrick Beverly, and he's just barely negative. It's negative 0.2 i would say for a bench guy in lineups that are all over the place that's completely acceptable okay kelly Oubre, but he's played one game we don't have to care about that marcus morris is minus 12.4 points per 100 possessions just by having him on the floor across the last 11 games and he's only playing a little over 13 minutes a night. Mm -hmm. So Marcus Morris's presence on the floor is the single biggest indicator that you have that the Sixers are going to lose minutes over know, the last month. Do you know what their defensive rating is with him on the floor? This is for the whole season, not the last month. It's like 120, oh, I want to say. Oh, you are way generous. <laughs> one, <laughs> it's worse. One at 33.8. Oh! Opponents have a 64.3% effective field goal percentage. Uh, in those minutes. Now, is it limited sample? Sure, but that is dreadful. Opponents are shooting 59% uh, when he is the closest defender. On on season, their average is 48.7%, so they're shooting 10.3% better when defended by Marcus Morris than they do throughout the rest of the season. That is, of the players who actually play, that is the worst on the team. The next worst is DeAnthony Melton at 2.3%. Mm, so it's a jump of 8% yeah. from... DeAnthony yeah. to Marcus, it's not, essentially. It's not great. It's not great. It's not great. And I'm to, well to, aware to put of that. that. To put that in perspective, Embiid, Embiid is the best regular, uh, actually, Jaden Springer. He's not in regular rotation. We won't right. talk about him. In terms of the best in the regular rotation, Embiid holds holds opponents to 5.9% worse than their season average. He's the best defender on the team by this metric. That means that Marcus Morris is, or DeAnthony Melton is closer to Joel Embiid in terms of defensive impact than Marcus Morris is to the second worst defender. Listen, that's crazy. <laughs> I am well aware that he's not a good defender. <laughs> <laughs> to I'm, put it lightly. Yeah, I'm well aware of that. 
<laughs> my point was more the offensive side, but no, it, it's not good. And, then, and, again, and if I was going to go on defense mode, it's more, all right, who's he out there on the floor with? When we saw sure, that, sure, of course. Sure. Who was that of second course. quarter lineup last night? It was Reed, Morris, Covington, yep. Beverly, Beverly, and Oubre. I think it was Oubre in, in, that, in that. I mean, that's a decent start. That's defensive decent. group, at least. It, it is. Look, you have it to, is. to that point, Devon. Right. A lot of minutes that he played in that stretch were in those configurations without Joel where he's essentially playing center. Right. And, and I we all agree that I don't he blame should not him right. for not being a center. I blame <laughs> Nick nurse for trying to use him in lineups as a center instead of playing Paul Reed and Mo Bamba. That's, that's actually that one thirty three point eight defense rating that was with him at center. I misspoke on that. Okay. So, that, right. that, that, so yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think the overall, it is close to one twenty, which not, is still yeah, horrendous. It's not good. Money Mar brings up a good point. These are all small sample sizes. That's yes. true. We only have small sample sizes to Objection. go on. We're talking about like a 12-game stretch. Any lineup combination we have during this 12-game stretch is going to be a small sample size. It's what we have to work with, but it is something you have to acknowledge. <laughs> it's the, the important thing to note is that he is so far away from sure. everyone else. Sure. It's, it's yes. not that this is... This is who Marcus Mar says. No, I'm not saying that. Derek's not saying that. Devon is not saying that either. Mm -hmm. What... What we're just trying to paint a picture of is that during a stretch where they've been bad as a team defensively, he is so far beyond where everyone else is that it's like you have to make note of it. And it's it's just as important also to say to the point Devon was originally bringing up, they have guys who are defensive players that they're just not using. Now, some of that D house is not someone we brought up. His defensive numbers Fair. are pretty good on mm -hmm. the season. And he does fit in that versatile category, right? Like you maybe don't want him guarding point guards, but he could guard twos, threes, maybe even some smaller fours. And there are a lot of smaller fours in today's NBA. So you can slide him across some different lineups. He's had some synergy with different guys where when you're playing a switch heavy defense, going from D house to Cove to Paul Reed to, those guys can pass players from one guy to the next guy to the next guy, and you're not that worried about what's happening. So getting somebody like D House back in the rotation, I think, will make a difference. But playing Jaden Springer is sure. the most obvious thing to me to just try it, right? Like maybe the offense goes off of a cliff, but they have a much higher offensive floor and ceiling than they've shown on defense and i would rather try to help the area of the floor that's struggling and take a slight step back on offense even if springer doesn't shoot well right away yeah and this is why when he has the next game where he goes like three for four from three and people are in chat are like are you ready to apologize on marcus morris <laughs> no because this is something that happens the defensive concerns happen every single night yes uh, and is he the only one no they're playing largely disinterested basketball across the board on defense joel and b included even last night's game Obviously, he was incredible with the 50 spot. He was checked out for 90% of that game defensively, at least. He made yes. a couple of huge plays, but he was not good. We talked about, I mean, we didn't lead off this segment talking about Marcus Morris. We led it off talking about, you know, the guards and stopping dribble penetration because that's probably a bigger issue. But playing Marcus Morris is not in any way helping. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and I wonder how much with Kelly Oubre when he was in the lineup before the rib injury, he played pretty well defensively, much better than I thought he was even capable yeah. of or interested in at, at this stage. Yeah. He, he bought in. You're absolutely right. And and that that you, you were talking about before, like 20th and turnovers forced since the 12th or something like that. Part of that is because he was out of the lineup. Right. Yes. He can certainly you know get deflections, get them out in transition. He will help. 
for sure. Yeah. So once he now once he gets his legs back underneath him and he's back in that regular rotation, certain things will start to play out where maybe those lineups, even if he is Marcus Mars getting a couple of minutes, maybe those lineups <laughs> might look a little better uh, with Kelly Oubre and his length and his athleticism getting in those passing lanes and getting those deflections and uh, maybe forcing a shot with just under three seconds left on the shot clock where they have to ho hoist something up because the defense, the movement overall, the gravity, as Kyle likes to say, is just all over the place where everybody's picking up for their fellow man and they're showing what we saw in those first eight to ten games that we thought, oh, okay, they're really buying into this Nick Nurse defense and that ball pressure at the top has to be better. Is that someone like Kelly Oubre or Jaden Springer. But it does start, number one, first and foremost, with both Maxi and Melton. Because one thing we do know with the Toronto Raptors, you had Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet when he was good at defense, that in his prime as a defensive player, he was pretty good in there. And you had two players like that, where that's not the case here in Philadelphia right now with Maxi and Melton. And on the point, Melton is maybe, as you said, a little bit overrated. He's a good defender. He's a pretty good defender, but on ball, not as good as we would like to talk about overall. And Derek brought up Joel's name with the effort. I do think, and I don't want to pick on Joel specifically, let's say the leaders of the team. So I would say Joel, Tyrese, Tobias. The example that they set on defense, and Joel first and foremost, is really critical for everyone else, right? Because you can say what everyone, like everyone should be a professional and do their job regardless of what's happening around them. But generally, when you're on a team and you're especially professionals, you follow the lead of the best guy on the team. They set the culture, they set the tone. Whatever they think is acceptable is generally what becomes acceptable for everyone else. So as much as we can give Joel a pass because he's got such an offensive load, he came into this season busting his ass on defense coming out of training camp. Mm -hmm. We saw him flying around in a way that we hadn't seen him do in, frankly, probably four or five years on a regular basis. And the second that he started taking his yep. foot off of the gas, everyone else did. So I'm not saying that he is personally responsible for everyone else not buying in, not rotating, not doing their jobs. But when he shows that he thinks it's acceptable to dial it back a little bit to say, you know, I'll play like 60% of this game on defense. I'll play 40% of this game, even if it's 80 or 90%. The other guys see that and they follow his lead. They take after him. Oh, well, it doesn't really matter if I blow this rotation or I don't communicate on this play. And that's a slippery slope. I understand it's the regular season. These guys are not going to go balls to the wall, 100% every play, every single night. But Joel has to know that. I think he does know that. That when he sets the tone, everybody else follows. I don't think that it's an accident that when he's been most engaged this year, everybody else has followed suit. Well, and not only following suit, but he's just their most important defender, even, yes. even disregarding the tone setting part of it. Like he is so important in terms of shutting down those ball handlers and being able to cover things up that when he is at 80% speed or even less, you're just, all of your warts are being exposed. And it's one of the problems, you know, you, you talked a lot before the season about you all need to be like a 25 point per game score somewhere in that range. Part of that is because he is, a, yes, he's their hub of their offense, but he's also far and away their, their most important defensive player. Yeah. And when you have those two, it's just a lot to ask for a guy of a very large human being. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, he, he has not been as good. 
I think at times it's understandable because of what he's asked to do offensively, but he needs to be better, certainly when it counts. Like in the playoffs, and that's one thing I've always said, his offensive uh, efficiency drops in the playoffs. Yes, that's true. But his de- defensive effort in playoffs is pretty consistent and pretty yes. consistent for a full 48 minutes. Uh, I, I don't really have much concern in that regard. And by the way, on the points, leading the league in scoring yet again, 33.1 points per game. I'm with you. I felt like dropping down to about 28 was ideal for him this season because you have Maxi taking a step up. You have some other offensive players there in the lineup where you can take some of that offensive load off and preserve your body a little bit on the defensive end to be that elite rim protector and defender overall. And we know how important he is as a defender when you see him alter shots and guys are scared to attack him in the paint when they are fearful that he is there to just altering shots that have no shot. Absolutely no shot because he is, in fact, back there. So we'll keep this one going uh, as we go. But, you know, I might need a Joel Embiid card or something as, since we talked about Wheelhouse a little bit earlier. But if you want to see Joel Embiid in action. Where do you think we should go, should we go? The Game Time app? Maybe. Sounds like a great Maybe. idea to Maybe. me. Because, guys, buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for every event that you could think of. Sixers game, certainly. I know even in spite of the defense, the offense has been a sight to behold for the Sixers. It's the number one reason that they've been able to overcome this terrible defense over the last month or so. So with killer deals on last minute, Sixers tickets, Eagles tickets, concerts, comedy, theater, all of that, you don't have to stress over the tickets and you can start getting hyped for all the fun that you're going to have. You don't have to plan months in advance because game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Get exclusive flash deals, and the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. Find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time credits you for 110% of the difference. And guys, I have to remind you once again, it is December 7th. We're creeping ever so closer to Christmas. Tickets are a great holiday gift. It could be for your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your loved ones, your significant other, just your buddies that you like going to games with. Tickets are a great gift for any one of those, so make sure you take advantage of our offer through the GameTime app. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download that GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. It is pretty wild that this deep into the season, they are a number two ranked offense with Joel Embiid, a 23-year-old Tyrese Maxey, and a bunch of role players. Like, they are, I feel like, overachieving. Uh, certainly overachieving what we predicted before the season. We thought they'd be a better defensive team than offensive team. Boy, are we stupid. For them to be second uh, in, in offense, first of all, it's helping them overcome what's been a pretty bad uh, defensive effort. But it's really encouraging. And I guess those two, with the Sixers overachieving what we expect offensively and struggling so much defensively, does that change what you think they need with this next move? I feel like I, I don't know about Devon. I go back and forth all the time on who or what I want them to trade for, right? Because there are nights, particularly the ones without Joel Embiid, where I look at it and it's like, God, they need shot creation. They cannot leave Tyrese out here to die in a playoff series where Joel gets a rest. He's the only guy that can dribble and he either has to create something or they're kind of screwed. Like, I I don't want them to end up there. And it's why I go back and forth from time to time. Like, should they give Zach Levine a closer look? Even though I'm not in love with Zach Levine, he's the only real shot creator 
that is out there that we know is available right now. And then they're a month straight of games where they can't defend anybody. Yeah. And you look in the mirror and you say, God, OG Ananobi sure right. would be nice. A yep. guy that can put out fires that you can put in any type of lineup and against any type of assignment. I think he's one of the few one through five potentially defenders in the league. People say, oh, one through five, and then guys can never defend centers. Yeah, I think OG against a lot of playoff level centers can certainly, at least in like a two to three minute type mm -hmm. span, and he, can, he can hold it down. He can give you some of that rim protection too because that was the one thing with Ben whenever you tried to throw him out of five, like it was just a yes. parade to the rim. As good as he was and athletic as he was, he never jumped quickly off of two feet. Um, OG can give you some rim protection too. Has a strong base and he can, you know, hold his own yes. against some of those as you talked about playoff centers that may not move him as easily as you would think because of the height difference and all that. But he's built a certain way where he can do that. And I, I am with you, guys. I, I don't know. I, I don't know who that player is. It does. It does go up and down. And, of who that might be, and and an Obi because of that one through five is the one that I I think when we once again, talk about the list of players that commonly just come up, whether it's Levine or Ananobi, the Caruso thing, mm -hmm. or getting to some of the other names that we've heard overall, OG Ananobi is the one that eventually just finds his way right back at the top because of the, the fact that he is a two-way player and a two-way player that is very, very good at the one thing that they most certainly are going to need in the postseason, and, and that is that defense and uh, the offensive part. Even with Zach Levine, I just I never get back to that where I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. No, because then I don't know if he's a winner. I don't know if he is going to buy into everything. I don't. We've talked about is he going to feel like he's supposed to be that number two, where we feel like that's Tyrese Maxey's role because of how good he is as oh, an offensive if player. If OG comes here and tries to be a number two, you just kick him into the Delaware. Oh, no, yes. not, no, 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 I mean the, the, the Levine. Oh, part. Levine. Okay, no, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay. no, OG, no. Um, and, and I was going to say, no, 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 he's no got shot. Some, he's got some brass balls if he comes here and thinks he's number two. And I mean, heck, even with the Zach Levine part, not to pick on him, but I even get to, he's not even close defensively or uh, I, even, I, I would prefer because I think he would buy in. It would be more of a DeRozan thing over Levine and you get him off your books at the end of the year. That has his own issues, but that's how low I am more so on the Levine no, piece. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Especially so. when you talk about a team that's struggling defensively, um, him and, and Maxie in the backcourt would just be unsustainable in the, in the playoffs. Right. And that's one thing that I, I struggle with a little bit here, and I promise I'm not trying to drag this segment out so Kyle can't put us in those stupid hats. I promise that is <laughs> in no way what There's I'm trying to do There's always the final segment, baby. But, you know, it, it goes to, all right, if I believe the defense will be better when Embiid's bought in 100% of the time, and I believe he will buy in 100% of the time on, uh, in the playoffs – which is, is we can talk about what's a more pressing need now and what's a more pressing need in the playoffs against Boston, against even Milwaukee, against great teams in the West. That's why I'm not, I'm not certain that like a defender like OG is actually the primary thing that you need right now. Like I still think that a, a third real creator is a very big need and will show up a lot more in the playoffs when teams are scheming against the Sixers, uh, especially a team like Boston, but it is a good question, and it's one that I'm glad that we have a couple more months here to watch and analyze before we actually, not that we actually have to answer because our pay grade is not one that would be making these kind of decisions, but one that at least we have a little more time on before we truly have to go on the record and opine about. Well, and a guy who is coming up today and has come up in a bunch of other chats that doesn't really fit either of these archetypes we're talking about is marketing, which yeah. if you want to juice up the offense, 
put a guy who will shoot 10 threes a game next to Joel Embiid in the front court, I think is a better defensive player than I certainly thought he was coming out of college. But that one, I don't think is going to happen because I think the price is too high to get him out of Utah. He's on a cheap-ish contract or actually very cheap contract. I believe it's something like $18 million a year this year and next. I don't even believe next year is fully guaranteed, which Mm -hmm. is crazy given the ascent that he is on right now. But let's say you're able to somehow get him. You unload a bunch of chips to get Lowry, (laughs) get him in here. And then you also are able to get a a defensive presence like Caruso. Uh, I just don't think they have the capital to make two moves like that. But maybe then, because look, Tyrese has made that jump as a creator. We think he can probably be, or we want to hope that he can be the number two. Then you get a Markinen who I think slides in as a great number three. And you get an ass kicker on defense who's going to come in, maybe give you like a little bit of juice off the dribble. Certainly Caruso is more just like attack closeouts, take open shots, Mm -hmm. but he's a real point of attack guy. Like that's somebody that you stick on any one, two, and he's going to get in their ass and, and really make stuff happen. So that to me could be like the pipe dream goal. Best case scenario. That's absolute best case scenario. Like I think Danny Ainge would probably ask for, like, let's be honest here. Good white player in Utah. It's like <laughs> you got to pay a fortune to get that guy. Yeah, um, it's very much the best case scenario. If if that was if that was it, and uh, if that was the one man, and I stay away from that name just because I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, but yeah, he would be he would leap to the top over even Ananobi in that case for that reason. And if they were to find a way to get Caruso, that would just be robbery to yeah. to be able to get. Both of those, and when you talk about the contention in the East and overall in the league, they will most certainly be back very high in a lot of people's conversations about being in that contention for a championship. And when it comes to the Ananobi part, I was laughing because uh, in the chat uh, we had, um, uh, it was Martian Lynch 33 says, uh, yeah, you know, Devon with everything involving OG Ananobi, his defense is carrying that quote two-way designation yeah. uh, absolutely absolutely but hey he's that a, happens in a lot of cases yeah, too right yeah yeah for sure so uh it's going to be fascinating to as we continue to talk about it and find find out who's going to be available as we get closer to that deadline who's going to be made available what teams are a little bit lower than they expected to be once we get there what names pop up out of nowhere that we had no idea of who that player like the the number one disgruntled player as we always talk about oh we don't know who that is yet well james harden was the number one he's now gone right maybe it's zach levine now i think it's probably levine now right. who's we gotta the, try to find the two that, and three and exactly four. who's that other one because i think uh, the consensus is really not just with us but with a lot of sixer fans out there that they don't want any parts of the no. Zach Levine. I mean, it's, it's like another station or studio or outlet being like, all right, well, how long is it going to take for Kyle to get pissed off at Derek and want to change the scenery? You just, you have no idea. You have no idea. It's right now. I want <laughs> out. I'm asking for it right now on the show. <laughs> I don't know if we're quite there just yet. I hope not. I just got here. Hang on a little bit. Hey, you got your bit. three months off. I'm now, now I'm taking mine. I'm on <laughs> fair, fair point. I, I did want to ask one because I saw his name in here before we, get to the the stock up and the stock report and all that stock up stock down the talk away the Kenyon Martin Jr. piece I, I was I was big on him in the offseason of potentially 
acquiring having having him acquired here in Philadelphia because of the athleticism, the defensive presence, the fact that there's no pressure on him here like it was in Houston where he did play pretty well and he had some good minutes, some good run out there for the Houston Rockets. And for whatever reason, Ty Lue didn't put him on the floor in Los Angeles in that short time. And since he's been here, I don't know if it's a numbers crunch or just simply the talent level. It's not where it needs to be for Nick Nurse to really put him on the floor. I'm still intrigued because he's young. He's athletic. You're not, again, asking much of him. You're just simply asking him to go out there and play, go out there and be a defensive presence, fill, fill the lane in transition, finish at the rim. You get some easy buckets from that dunker spot where you have guys who are willing passers like Nick Batum tossing those lobs up there for you. And even I've seen him when he's gotten those crunch time minutes in the blowouts where Furkan Korkmaz is getting more opportunity at the rim. They're both running the floor. Obama's finishing. K.J. Martin is right there, and he's not getting a, a touch there. I'm just very curious. Do you think? Do you think he's just not good enough even at this stage where that idea is done? I think the problem he has right now is that he's older than Jaden Springer. He's played a lot more NBA minutes than Jaden Springer. And Jaden Springer is still like a much more realized defensive player than he is because offense with him is basically he's going to score through activity, put backs, run on the floor, can't trust the shot right now, isn't a self-creator. So when that's the case, you have to say, okay, what is this guy mm -hmm. defensively? And the highlights are great, but there's a lot of just headless chicken running around. I don't really know what to do with myself moments. And to your point, Devon, I'm not out on him. I think he's certainly a guy that like throw him in there, see what he can do. Like he might be, might make some weak side rotations, block somebody, cause a fast break, do something interesting, do something that frankly, a lot of these guys on the roster are just not capable of doing because that athletic heritage is insane like his pops was a great athlete yep. he is just as good if not maybe even a better athlete in terms of verticality and things like that but yeah I just I haven't seen a guy who is like you can't just throw him in there and be like that's a definite rotation right. player there's stuff that needs to be worked out I would like to see him given a shot from time to time and say you might as well try to develop him while he's here he's a, a wild card in many ways but yeah I don't think he's at this moment, mm -hmm. he's certainly not like an every-night rotation guy or anything close to that. So you brought up his pops. And in my never-ending quest to not put on those hats, I want to ask you one question. <laughs> pops was number one pick in the 2000 draft. Can you name two other players drafted in the top 10 in that draft? It was maybe the worst draft of all Mike time. Mike Miller. He was. Stromile Swift. Yep. Stromile was two. Darius Miles was three. Marcus mm -hmm. Pfizer was four. You Oof. mentioned Mike Miller. That was five. Damar Johnson was six. Chris Min, seven. Jamal Crawford, eight. Prisbilla, nine. And Keon Dooling, ten. I always forget that Jamal Crawford Maybe was a top ten pick. the worst draft Chicago. in the history. I'm good at that stuff. Draft. I could run the teams. If you just said, all right, give me position, I could run the teams off. Darius Miles, Clippers. Yep. Uh, Prisbilla, was he... I think he was Grizzlies. I think it was the. Uh, I he ended up playing for the Bucks, but I think Houston maybe. Uh, I wanted to say Minnesota drafted. We him ended up. He, he was his college was Minnesota. Yeah, 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 you're right. I thought he was yeah. the Grizzlies, but I, I might be making that up. Yeah, Joel Prisbilla. Okay, Marcus I think yeah, I think it was, was a draft. Day. I think he, I think as a rookie he played for the Bucks. Okay, right, you're right, you're right. Marcus Pfizer, Bulls, yep. Jamal Crawford, 
Bulls. I oh, know Stromile Swift. He Stromile was, Swift was, he was the Grizzlies. He was yeah. the Grizzlies. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, a real Vancouver. remember some guys moment on the podcast. Vancouver back in the day. Stuff. His first year was the year before they moved to yes. Memphis. Yeah. yeah. Well, no bobbleheads of those guys behind us. Yeah, they they weren't around long enough, <laughs> as you just said. That draft was not all that great. But Foco, they do have those bobbleheads, and uh, some maybe if you want to check in and see if you can get some some great things for the holidays. Is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment in merchandise with the product line includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectible novelty items, and more best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms out there. It's football and tailgating season overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for the game. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets that you see regularly behind us. Foco always has our back for Philly sports and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. And by the way, while you brought up our wonderful friends at Foco, hoodies, hats, all that, I do want to point out Derek is basically the PHLY mascot today. He's got a PHLY hoodie. He's got, if you guys have seen, a PHLY hat that I don't believe is available yet, but will be soon. Soon. We are currently running the once a year discount on diehard memberships on all PHLY. A lot of benefits to that, guys. You get discounts on merch. I know you get a free t-shirt on top of that. Discounts on events. You get access to exclusive content that we are producing pretty frequently on all the different beats you get discord access which i know we have been making a real effort to make that a community as some other unnamed social media platforms continue to fall apart we've had a lot of great conversations in that discord that you know that's one of my favorite parts of what we started building here so there is a discount on that believe it's 59.99 right now Mm -hmm. for anyone interested and while we're also on that subject want to point out We do have a PHLY Sixers takeover coming up on the 15th. You guys can buy tickets. We're all going to sit together in one section. We're going to hang out before a game. We're going to get passes to go down by the floor as the guys are warming up prior to the game against the hapless Detroit Pistons that we have mocked on this show quite a bit. I sure hope they don't lose that game, but (laughs) we'll hang out. We'll talk some trash. We'll talk about uh, all of that. So just head over to allphly.com. The Takeover is in the events section. I believe you should be able to see the Die Hard sale somewhere on the website. If not, you can check that out on Twitter, Instagram, so on and so forth. So it's right there on the homepage, I think. Yeah. yeah. So look forward to that. Definitely look forward Just to that. Just wanted to make sure I flagged that while we are on the show. I'd love to see as many of you there on the 15th as possible. And if you know, you see the cool hat that Derek has on, you may go back to our episode on the post game. You see Kyle's cool hat. He had the white one on last oh, yeah, night. Baby. So yeah, you know, the hats are on the way. So you can have that with your hoodie, your t-shirt. And I've got some even whatever. cooler hats some cooler for a great hats. segment oh, that go. we're about to do. Can we talk more about the diehard sale? <laughs> this is my first... My first uh, opportunity to wear the. Now, why did you go with green? Did you go with green for the you know the birds? It's or just something? the old accountant style visor. Now I've right. had people in the chat say yeah that they're they look like gardening visors as well. I think they're multi-purpose. I actually read some research on this at one point. Why? Let me see. They were the accountants used to wear these, yeah. but I have forgotten exactly why. 
But we're going to do a oh, stock sorry, report, sorry. ladies like and gentlemen. need like a pin or something to go on the side. You know how they, they would have the pin and it was sometimes they would have certain things written on the hat. I think I need to soup up the hat a little bit, too. Well, that's like, you remember, I think I brought this up on the show once. You ever seen the Making the Band Chappelle show episode yeah. where he's like, you're just going to sit there and do your taxes, Ness, and he's got the the, the printer and the yeah. visor and all yeah, that yeah. going on at the same time. Yeah. So. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's, it's tax this. season. It's tax so. season. Stock Who, report, man. Who's up first, Devon? You get to pick. It's your first segment, so you'd say stock up or stock down on who, okay. what? Obviously, the defense is down that's uh well established well established <laughs> uh let's go stock up stock down on d'anthony melton how about d'anthony melton we start up with d'anthony melton you want to take that derek i think i'd go pretty flat if i'm being honest i'll go i'll go slightly up because he continues to, which one is that's down there you go, there you go. Slightly, but it's like a, very, up for it's a very slight up like he's pretty much playing like he was before i feel like we gave him a stock up not too long ago when he was shooting the shit out of the ball He's still playing pretty well. He's not playing quite as well, um, but he's, you know, we talked about a little bit with the defense where he can struggle to get through screens at times. Um, his shooting has been good lately, but not as good as it previously was, but he's not playing poorly for sure. He's, I mean, he's giving them a lift. So I don't know if you guys caught this after the game last night. I will agree with Derek stock up. If he wants to hand me the sign, I can wave eh, it around like a circus I animal. We, I think one but, person was raising the yeah, sign. Look at that. Yeah. Stock up on D'Anthony Melton. <laughs> Like we're on Mad Money with Jim Cramer. Um, I think with DeAnthony, Tyrese last night after the game was essentially throwing a parade that DeAnthony made some layups. Like, oh, my yeah. God, my dog <laughs> no, made some layups. Like, he can hit his free throws and make his threes, but just imagine if this guy can make layups. And that kind of says it all, right? Like, I know that's a running joke on the, the show all the time. I do think, and we've gotten into this a little bit this week, Devon, that Ideal world, D'Anthony is a sixth, seventh guy coming off the bench with Kelly Oubre, making a spark. And I think that would be well, what part of the value yeah. of making one of these trades to upgrade the team is putting him in a role that I think naturally suits him better. But I think part of that is also like maybe he can be a starter, sure. But like the previous two games when Joe was out, when Maximus one of them, he was shooting 19 times per. That's not his role. That's yes. not what he's going to succeed in. You know, the previous game... 10 shots, 19 points, two for five from three, seven for seven from the line. That's kind of the Anthony you want, regardless of whether or not it's in a starting lineup. He only played 27 minutes. Um, that is fine. The previous, you know, leading into that, he was just a little overtaxed yeah. than he should be. Okay. And I'm looking at one right here. Jay Bart on the chat says, Melton flat. He's with you, Derek, yeah. in the beginning. Flat. It, it, Sorry, bench player. Kyle forced me to sort of like raise one of the two, so fine. But I, I probably would have said flat. All right. Yeah, listen, we got to prognosticate for the people man That's, they come to us for important player financial advice That's i mean but prognostication could be he's he's playing flat like that's Fine. That's boring. I'll, I'll give him a tad of a stock up on that one. I'll give him a tad <laughs> on the stock up, especially like finishing at the room, to your point. And even coming back from, you know, being probable, but dealing with the sickness and still playing pretty well last night after, most importantly, not getting off to a great start in the early minutes. And Kyle and I looking at each other and Derek like, ugh. Might be one of those rough nights where he needs some chocolate milk or something because <laughs> to get that boost of energy because it just simply wasn't there. And then he turned it up, finishing with 19, knocked down a couple of threes, finishing in transition. They had a great two-man fast break where he 
Maxie was in the middle of the floor, underhand scoop, didn't even put the ball on the floor, right to Melton and finishing at the rim. I actually thought Melton was going to give it right back to Maxie because it seemed like a better fast break. But no, he kept it and just finished at the rim. So I, I like it. I'll go stock up on that. I'm go, let's go back to the bench real quick. And I'm not going Marcus Morris, folks, as much as you might want me to. Oh, because that would be the easiest answer ever for me. That would be the easiest one. <laughs> so really, if, if we do go Marcus Morris, I want to ask Devon that just so we can get him on the record. Yes. Okay. Because that's his boy. All right, but I'm not going there, so you're not setting me up. <laughs> uh, we are going to, because of his hot shooting on Friday, and he continued with that play last night with some step-back threes as well. Patrick Beverly, stock up, stock down. Not step back threes, that's plural. A step back. Three. I saw two. I'll give him a stock up because that was probably the best game of Patrick Beverly's career against the Boston Celtics last week. I thought, and I said it on the post game show, I thought Tobias Harris specifically let him down. You cannot waste a performance from Pat Bev. I think you spent about 20 minutes straight talking about how Tobias Harris let I, him down. I was. I felt like I was a member of Pat Bev's family. Like, what, what the hell happened here, Tobias? Like, you let our guy down. Like, I'm just going stark raving mad on the show. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, set aside the three-point shooting. That's going to be volatile. I think he's shown enough confidence from there. I've talked to Devon about that a lot off the show, that I just want him to be confident and step into threes mm -hmm. and make teams pay for thinking, oh, we'll just ignore this guy because he's not going to take the shot, let alone make it. I think that's that's important for him. But I also think he's shown some better probing of defenses, some good off-the-dribble moments, like getting by a closeout. I compared it to <laughs> uh, loading up a trebuchet against the Celtics. <laughs> that Sometimes it's been a little bit slow. And He's actually used that to his advantage. He's waiting until guys get there, and then that slow load up turns into one or two dribbles, gets to the free throw line, and either has the a push shot. attempt. The push shot is probably a more accurate way of putting that. The or he can quick kick out. Somebody's got a, a better shooter. He's got a more open three. So I've been happier with him lately. It's taken me a little bit off of the they desperately need a backup ball handler island, but I saw you got last night. I still in my heart of hearts think yeah. they need an upgrade there. But I think if you were to get that guy, I now have more confidence that Pat can be. I I don't want to call him a two guard, but he can be that second guard on the floor and do some interesting things from that spot. So the results of the first one, one hundred percent for DeAnthony huh. Melton. And uh, Bree put that up there in the chat area for everybody to vote. And we'll see what, what the ultimate number is for Pat Bev. I'm also stock up on Pat Beverly because early on he showed some decent splashes there in certain games. But more often than not, it was more of a, uh, I still need a second ball handler because DeAnthony Melton certainly is, isn't that. Pat Beverly is not showing enough. And then all of a sudden, the uptick just went boom. And it's, it's not only offensively is defensively again where he's back to being that engaged guy when you talk about probing not just the middle of it it's more even when he goes on the baseline yes and he's probing 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 if it's not there if it's not a dump off in the middle for somebody to finish or layup opportunity for him uh the one-handed layup that he just picks up goes right up which is a good shot kicking to the corner whatever he just keeps his dribble doesn't give up his dribble to allow himself to get caught on the baseline trapped Bad turnover. He's doing everything right right now. So I would say stock up for Patrick Beverly at the moment. And give one final one. Can I give one final sure, one? Sure, yeah. 
I wasn't going to ask you guys if I can go coach, but I won't. I think we um, we did that recently, don't we? I think right. last week yeah, we talked. We one. actually gave him a a bit of a stock down yeah. for. I mean, it was mostly the defensive stuff we're talking about yep. today, where we've been super impressed with what he's done on offense. But yeah, yeah when you're 25th right, yeah. in defense for a month, that's by the uh, way, Pat Bev, 85% stock up, 14 down. Thank you, Bree. Honestly, I would have thought Bev would have been pretty much unanimous because it was the game of his life, and I thought Melton would be a little He more also had a great game against the Lakers recently, yeah, too. He's thought, had some real good ones. I thought Bev, uh, Melton would have been a little more mixed because he had two games where he was shooting like 35%. Uh, I'm a little surprised by the results, honestly. Okay, the, the chat is asking I, for I it, Devon, and I'm just going to pass it. you the sign in advance for Marcus Morris. Here it. we go. Marcus Morris, stock down. I but you it. have to hold it. Just touch it, even Biggie, if it's just a finger. 45. Sorry to block you out there. Says I'm going there, Devon. No, Marcus and Morris, by the way, stock we, report, please. We just gave him a stock up last week. We did. You did. It was, it was, we were, we taught, we admitted it was a penny stock, so there was a lot of room up to go he only went up a little bit but he's already come back down i i think my last one is is more because i want to hear what the people think i know what you guys think but i want to see some of the chat too just more maybe some more We've people had some spirited marcus morris debate in the chat there are, he has his defenders for sure he does he is a philly guy like he there's is. a there's some local oh, but pride I've seen behind the philly this attack. for sure I've seen the philly fans attack him too so, so yeah yeah it's, it's not unanimous and in, he in that does way. legitimately have offensive skill he does he certainly he does, does. And more do so that. i think the more consensus is i wish they would have if not wish but more if it was four three four years ago oh, you would have been perfectly day. fine with him right all right last one just because I know what it is, because he has to be better. They have to. They play. They play a team tomorrow that they should win against the Atlanta Hawks at home. Tobias Harris. Oh, I mean, let's, 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 can we put a second? Let's do, a second thing to make it go even further down because <laughs> that's Tobias Harris right now. I think. And look, some of this is the fan base has been on his case for a long time. To some extent, rightfully so. He's been a big anchor. They gave him his credit, the though, at the beginning of the year. Yes, they did. They did. And he is in the midst of, I don't know if it's quite his worst stretch ever here, but it's very close if it's not because he's everything that he's doing. Right, the big part of the defensive problems, right? A lot of miscommunications, some poor effort, bad rotations or no rotations in some cases not shooting enough threes and when he's shooting enough threes he's not making any of them as Derek pointed out on the show last night you can't protect your percentages when your percentages are dog shit that's <laughs> doesn't really work yeah. that way yep and Devon I know you've been hammering this point early and often you can see when he's in his own head and I think he's just been constantly in his own head over the last two two and a half weeks yeah so it's really three stock down cards here just, just the line across is it's that bad right now. And he has to snap out of it. Derek is right. He typically does. And he'll have a stretch of five to seven games where he's really, really good. Yeah. And he, but then that's where it gets us and the Sixers fans out there, the frustration, because we know you can do that. And that's where the problem ultimately comes into play. And Bree put it perfectly here. Stock up, stock down, stock way down <laughs> on the chat because it's stock way down for Tobias Harris. And I think it's pretty unanimous at this point. Stock way down. But with Marcus, he's in like he's in the color star territory of Penny Stock. Oh, who, who, yeah, who wins that? Is it? No, Tobias is more down because he <laughs> had, had a had higher more starting point. And we're yeah. not talking about he should be starting over Tobias Harris. This is more of the question. 
And yeah, the stock way down is more for Tobias Harris than it is for Marcus Morris. Yeah, if you had to compare Tobias Harris to a Fortune 500 company, do you think you could do it? Like, wow. what's his equivalent? <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not you, me. You can get back there if you do the right thing. Well, now it's a private company, so they're not on the stock exchange Fair. anymore. That's, Fair. You know. that's, that's pretty good. And I hope this too with all the people with the stock, because I love this. I love watching it. And I love that I'm a part of it now with the with the visors. If you are a true stock up, because I see it in the chat, are you also buying the visor? Are you wearing the visor when we do the stock up, stock down in the moment? We might have to if, if we, we need some get people photos. wearing them. I might have to get us some sweatshirts or something <laughs> for this specific segment. And we need some pictures of you with your visor on. I mean, if so you, if Derek gonna, doesn't feel bad. If you're going to show up to the, uh, the the meetup at the Wells Fargo Center, bring a visor. I will not be wearing this in public. I'll tell you that. It's one thing on YouTube. I am not wearing one to a game. So if you do, you're a braver person than I am. You know where you got these. We should get one for every person that shows up. We can just have a, a section of visors. A section of visors. Biggie says Tobias is Snapchat. I don't know what their oh. uh, their stock outlook is, but okay. I think Instagram stole their shine in a big way. So I want to be I, clear. I can see that. If you do come to our takeover, we're not going to force you to wear these ridiculous hats. I don't want to scare you away from coming. We, we would love to see you. And oh, then you would be on the big, on the screen, on the big screen if you did that. Yeah. Here's one that actually Dan in the chat brought up that I'm curious if you guys have listened enough to have an opinion on this. Stock up, stock down on Doc Rivers as an ESPN color commentator. I've listened because I've had time to listen. Yeah. Uh, stock down. He's I've 100% He's agree. not what he used to be. He's not what he what he used to be. I also wonder, because I don't know where he was at that time, where oftentimes we hear the coaches get to this spot and they don't want to say certain things. And before it just seemed like he would say whatever Yeah. on, on the broadcast. Right now I feel like he's a little more careful, a little more protecting what he's saying at no. times. And I, I, I right now is, is, is stock down. It has nothing to do with Doris Burke. It has nothing to do with... Uh, Breen, it's stock down, right? I would say right now for for these games that I at least that I've heard. Yeah, look, anytime I have to hear Doc, stock down for me. <laughs> well, you've got a lot Derek's of audio. Got a little more of you an adversarial of... relationship on. Uh, he's just <laughs> Doc he's, than he's I did. Frustrating to listen to. I don't like a, the sound of his voice on a broadcast either. It's not yeah. even about what he's saying. <laughs> Whenever that clip goes viral which happens like once a year of him talking before a game in the nineties. Yeah. It blows my Dude, mind. I remember I showed that to you at the arena one day. It's wild. It is it's, absolutely wild. What happened to that man's voice? It really is, man. Wild. This was a fun one. This was a fun one. A spirited conversation overall, some players and certainly with the defense, this is a, a bit of fun one. And uh, can't wait to get back at it tomorrow with the post game, the PHLY Sixers post game show following Sixers Hawks live from the arena. Kyle, you'll be there and yes, uh, we'll sir. have a chance to connect with you from there as we break things down as they're in the stretch of where they should win these games uh, overall. On the way out, I want to say thank you as always to all my guys and gals in the chat. We got Money Mar, Two Minute Warning, Marshawn Lynch, Jay Bart, Remo. I'm going to ignore the guy who's complaining about yeah. the Sixers. You don't get any shine or love from me. <laughs> My guy, Ash, Dan, Puppas from overseas, Biggie, Provolone John, another great name, Brian, Jim G, love to all you, Noob, which... It's the other noob, not noob like my last name. Always very confusing. Randy Rubart, Tafka Yams. Thank you guys, as always, for being here. 
If you have not already, hit that subscribe button to the channel. The bell icon allows you to get notifications each and every time we go live, as well as all our colleagues. And if you hit that thumbs up button on this specific video, helps us out a great deal. We will see you guys tomorrow night. 